following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Okay, so now we're going to change channels, um, and we're going to turn to Luke chapter, uh, chapter 9 um, today. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6, and that's on page 866 in the few Bibles. Um, so I don't know if you know, but today is a national holiday. Uh, uh, it's Eastern, Orthodox Easter, actually, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. Um, this is National Letdown Sunday. Yeah. Uh, well, for a number, uh, not just pastors, but this is the week after uh, all the pomp and pageantry of Easter um, those who are brave enough to go back to church after their typically typical yearly experience um, uh, get let down after the heights of of the Easter production. Uh, they get past, uh, leave behind all the production value and get to the mundane regularness um, of a normal, typical Sunday service. Uh, we don't do a lot of pomp and pageantry here for Easter, you know, choirs and solos and stuff like that. Um, mostly because we want to be the most ourselves on Easter, so National Letdown Sunday is not a letdown. <laughs> it's also, let, uh, you were right in saying that it's National Letdown Day for pastors um, who saw their congregation swell in number uh, last week and uh, now have to deal with the letdown of going back to the regular folks. You guys are such a disappointment. I, I say all this so that you know that I'm aware of this reality and don't set myself up for the letdown. Uh, I'm not let down at all. I'm not at all disappointed to be here with you. Because uh, the third reason um, that this is, uh, um, well, I don't know if, it, it's not the case for me. I don't feel let down at all. And I certainly uh, um, would encourage you, if you think of it, to pray for the rest of the church that may be experiencing this phenomenon today. Um, like I said, we're deliberate about how we do things uh, here so that we don't experience that. But uh, pray for the church and her pastors that may be suffering with this today. Um, and one particular, uh, uh, our particular church family has a, another special reason to feel let down today is that the Sunday after Easter marks my 11th anniversary as pastor so uh here so I'm, that's uh i can say i'm i'm not let down at all by that <laughs> um sorry for you guys but um I, it has been the great privilege of my life um to serve to serve the lord here in this place um with this people and to serve you um you've truly become my family um and i'm i'm so grateful uh, for you, I'm so grateful to the Lord for uh, for bringing us here uh, to you and sustaining us as a family and empowering um, empowering us to do the work that He's called us to do. Yes, ma'am. Can I share you sure can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord has been so faithful in taking those that faithful few and. and and making them into you, uh, and I'm just so grateful for that. Um, and uh, to be honest, that's actually the topic of our um, our text this morning, 
the Lord Jesus sustaining and empowering his disciples to do the work that he has called, called them to do. Um, so let's look at our text of Luke chapter 9, just the first six verses. And Jesus called together the twelve and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And, to, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for bringing us together in this place today. We thank you so much for this wonderful family that you have assembled, uh, drawn us all out from our different parts and different places and different experiences um, to be here together, sewn together as a family under the blood of Jesus. Lord, as we turn to your word this morning, we pray now that your spirit would speak, um, that we would learn from your word, not my words, that we would hear your voice, not mine. We give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the great challenges of interpreting Scripture when it comes to studying the Bible is to identify which parts are descriptive and which parts are prescriptive. That is to say, which parts are informational and which parts are instructional. Uh, this is really important because if you don't understand which parts of Scripture are instructional, the thou shalt do this or thou shalt not do that, um, we can get off on a lot of really crazy tangents uh, and build all kinds of cultic behavior. And we, we want to avoid that, obviously, at all costs. Um, and this idea is, is going to be extreme, well, it's extremely important for us all the time. Um, but we're going to have to have a handle on this, especially as we continue to look at the works of, uh, of Luke, um, not just in his gospel, but also the book of Acts. That's like, I can't wait. And Luke... The Gospel of Luke is really long, and I'm really having to wait. Uh, but I'm really excited about that and, and what the Lord might do with that uh, in our church family. Um, there's a great deal of debate about what certain things um, meant to the original audience, um, uh, what it meant to them then as opposed to what they mean to us now. Uh, but I've, as I've said before, the scriptures will never mean what they never meant. Um, the the meaning doesn't change. All that changes is the application of the meaning, right? How we take the meaning, take the instruction, and apply it to our lives is going to be very different uh, than it was for Luke and for Paul, right? Because the culture is different and the society is different, but people are people. And God's word doesn't change, right? So the meaning is the same. So as we examine this text before us today, we have to consider which parts are descriptive and which parts are prescriptive. Or which parts are there for our information and which parts are there for our instruction. Because 
we want to do what the Bible tells us to do, right? So it's important for us to know which parts of the Bible are telling us to do things and which parts of the Bible are describing what other people were supposed to do or what they did, okay? So there in verse 1, Jesus calls together the twelve and gives them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So Jesus gives the apostles the might and the right to heal, right? The power over demons and disease and the authority to remove both from people, right? He gave them the might and the right to heal people as an authenticating sign for the gospel. It wasn't just heal people for the sake of healing them. It was to preach the gospel and as a seal of God's approval on their message, they were given power and authority over demons and diseases. All right? This was Jesus' seal of approval on their proclamation of the gospel. And just as he had proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and accompanied his word with signs and wonders, so the twelve apostles on this trip would be able to do the same as they went around Galilee. Now, I, when I first read this, I, I wanted to think, um, not that I read this for the first time, but when I was first thinking about this in, in preparation for today, I really wanted to think that this was like the disciples earning their wings, right? Um, some of you will resonate with this, but um, years ago, my dad and I used to fly radio-controlled airplanes. Um, you had no idea it was that cool. But um, it's a really long time ago. Um, so, so cool, right? Um, so our club required uh, everybody, every, each new pilot was required to take off and land their, their airplane uh, three times in both directions, right, right to left and left to right, uh, regardless of which way the wind was blowing. That makes a difference when you're taking off and landing an airplane. Uh, you know, our, our planes were only this big. There weren't a lot of lives at stake. But, um, I mean, was, I saw some accidents that it would have changed somebody's life for sure. But um, anyway, um, so after I was able to do that, which is a fun story all on its own that I won't go into today, but um, after I was able to do, to do that solo flight, take off and land in three times in both directions, uh, I, I got a little pin you know, that was wings, and it had our club, whatever, logo in the middle, right? Um, and I'm sure other pilots in the room experienced um, similar things with much bigger, more expensive, dangerous aircraft. Um, the problem with this idea that this is the disciples earning their wings um, is that it implies that Jesus sent the disciples out to prove themselves, all right, you guys signed up for this. No, they didn't. Go out there and do what you promised you could do. No, they didn't, right? That's Jesus picked them, right? They didn't sign up on the list. He said, come follow me, and they did. You know, um, He didn't send them out uh, to, show, to show him that they had what it takes to be preachers of the gospel. He didn't. Um, nothing could be further from the truth, actually. In fact, the truth is, uh, it was the exact opposite. 
As we see over, as we have seen over and over in the last few chapters of the book of Luke, the disciples have been proven time and time again to be absolutely powerless to do anything. And they were utterly dependent on Jesus' almightiness. And Jesus himself gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. Right? He gave them this power to perform signs to accompany their preaching of the kingdom. It wasn't up to them. The resources to do this work was not theirs. That's really important for us to get a handle on. Because the resources for us to do God's work did not belong to us. It's not because we're clever or charismatic or, or intelligent or, or well-read that we're, we're able to do anything for God. It has nothing to do with it at all. It has everything to do with the power of God at work in his people to do his will. Right. We can't forget that. Because when we do, it becomes all about us, right? And what we can do, right? When I was first in ministry, I started out in youth ministry, uh, and soon I got too big for my britches and wanted to show that I could do more. And I took a job that I shouldn't have and, and, and tried to prove that I was better at gospeling, right? I'm better at being a pastor I, I should, I gotta show you what I can do. And that's just pride. And that didn't, uh, God can use that. I don't think it accomplished very much that was any good for anybody. I know it wasn't very easy on me and my family. We've gotta be careful to remember that the resources to do God's work come from God, not from us. All that the disciples had was trust in Jesus. That was it. And as it turned out, that's all that Jesus really wanted them to take with them anyway. It says in verse 3, take, no, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. Right? It's just a, an, like an undershirt. Um, and whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And this is where people have gotten hung up on the descriptive versus the prescriptive. Is what Jesus told the disciples to do a permanent command for everybody for all time or not? Um, Jesus instructed the disciples Look, on your way from where we're at right now to where you're going, don't stop at the general store. Don't pick up, you know, grab a bunch of extra stuff for your trip. You're not going to need it. If you don't have a walking stick, don't go get one. Don't pick up a new backpack and stuff it full of, you know, bread and clothes and money and your survival kit and first aid. Don't forget your frying pan and potatoes and everything that you're going to. No, don't do that. Just, just go. Don't worry about it. Just go. So the question is, is this prescriptive for all who would preach the gospel? Is this a rule for taking a vow of poverty? If you're going to be a minister of the gospel, this is what you get. No extra undershirt. Right? No stick. No backpack. 
no bread. And you have to live with people who you don't know. But if they say that you can't live with them, you get to shake your feet at them. Right? Is this the rule? Well, I think we look at this and judging by your giggling, it's obviously not. No, this is clearly not a prescriptive pattern for ministers of the gospel to follow. Who would think that this is who would think that this is the rule? Well, a lot of people. Um, have you ever heard of taking a vow of poverty? You know, monks and priests and all that stuff over the years? You know where that came from? Right here. Was Jesus telling people to do that? Yeah. Twelve of them. Twelve people is who he told. Thousands of would-be ministers of the gospel have renounced all their earthly possessions based on these verses. Now, just to be clear, there's nothing wrong with renouncing all earthly possessions. Um, go ahead. But it would be wrong, it would be incorrect to base that philosophy on these words of Jesus. Right? He was saying something to them and to us about trusting him for resources, but he was not commanding us to just forget about your undershirt. Um, and this was particular to the disciples in this text for two reasons. The first reason is that this was to be a short trip. This wasn't a lifelong, a lifetime um, commitment for them. This was a short trip. Whether it was days or weeks, we're not really sure. Uh, but we do know that the distance that they traveled was not very long. They started in Galilee and they ended in Galilee. And they were in Galilee in the middle part, too. They didn't leave um, the villages of, of Galilee in the whole, the whole time. Um, this is not a big area, right? We're, we're talking like, how do I compare it? Governor Wentworth Regional School District, right? Tamworth to Brookfield, right? We're, we're not talking about a big, uh, a big area. Not only was this to be a short trip, but it was a training exercise for the disciples, they were to take nothing with them so that they would learn to trust, not only uh, trust Jesus' word, but to rely on him fully for their own provision. And that included uh, counting on others for hospitality, um, to go and stay with people. So, again, were these permanent commands for the disciples and therefore for us to follow? No. This was, this was a temporary assignment. And we see the evidence of that later in, in Luke chapter 22, verses 35 and 36. Jesus said to them, to the twelve, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? He's talking about this experience. When I sent you guys out with nothing except for what you had right then at that time, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. They didn't lack a thing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it and likewise a knapsack and the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. All right. Same group of guys saying, I sent you out with nothing that one time and you didn't lack a thing. Right now I'm going to send you out. Uh, so this time stop by the general store and get your provisions and a sword ought to be one of them. I, I really want to dive into the, the uh, application of that for us. Right. But. So, if all of this 
is just descriptive. Are there any prescriptions for us to follow? I'm glad you asked. Though this assignment from Jesus to the disciples was a temporary one, it would later become a permanent one, not only for them, but for the whole church and not just a fixed area like Galilee, but for the to the ends of the earth. Right. After his resurrection, Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Perhaps you've heard this before. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The assignment became permanent, but so also did the power to perform it. Just before Jesus ascended back to the Father, he said to these same disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Is that power to glow in the dark and walk on water? No. It's power to do the work that he's called them to do. That same power, by faith in Jesus, lives in us because the Holy Spirit lives in us through faith in Jesus. If you don't have faith in Jesus, you don't have the Holy Spirit. It's that simple. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you do not have the power to proclaim the gospel. You might say the words and they will be ineffective. You might ring the bell over and over again, and people will not come to Christ because the power comes from God and not from us. I think that Paul nailed it when he said, we have this treasure in jars of clay to prove that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Who's the jars of clay? Raise your hand. The vessel is nothing. It's what's in the vessel, the Holy Spirit, That's where the power is. And that doesn't belong to us. He doesn't belong to us. We have no rights over him. He's God. We just get to carry him around like kind of a wet grocery bag sometimes. But the power is from him to accomplish his will and to do his work. So what did the disciples do on that first trip to Galilee that's prescriptive for for us, for the whole church to follow? It's to go and to preach the good news, right? The coming of the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus, just like they did. To have compassion on the sick, just like they did. To exercise mercy, just like they did. To recognize our full dependence on the Father for everything, just like they did. To trust Jesus and obey him, just like they did. That's the prescription. And people started doing that. And it turned the world upside down. And the gospel reached reached the far-flung corners of the earth. The furthest corner, Ossipee, New Hampshire. And if we all did the same thing, 
I bet it would happen again. The world would be turned on its ear. I don't know about you, but every time I turn on the TV or look at the Internet, it's very discouraging. And even people within the church are saying, the church should be doing something. The church should be doing something about this. People should be standing up and say something about this or something about that. That isn't the solution. What is? Preach the gospel. When people become saved and the Holy Spirit takes residence in the human heart, things change. You want the world to change, that's how it's changed. It's happened before and it can happen again. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together in your name. Forgive us when we take it for granted. There are so many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world that can't do what we're doing right now. To gather freely, to study your word, to pray, to worship. Lord, may we not take the gospel for granted either. Help us not to forget your command to go and to preach, to make disciples of every nation. Not just countries, but people from everywhere that need to hear about Jesus and his love, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and ascension to the Father. Give us the courage to share your love with the people we work with and lives next door to, people we're related to, people we don't like and don't like us. Help us to take your purpose for us seriously. And we pray that you would exercise your power in us to reach people for Christ. And if there's anyone here within the sound of my voice who has not given their heart to Jesus, we pray that they would surrender to you to ask for your forgiveness and to receive the gift of salvation through faith. We thank you for that great grace. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890. 